Hey everybody, welcome back to SLB Sports Outside the Box, and I'm your host, Dennis Harris. I'm back with my two amazing co-hosts, Brian Sturman and Jesse Butler, and as usual, we are here to give you another amazing, great show. Now this week, we're going to get into MLB opening week. We're also going to touch on a little touchy subject with general managers and coaches trading away players, and we always scream that the players have no loyalty when they leave, but do the general managers and coaches have loyalty towards the franchise? Also, we're going to get into the NBA playoffs, who we think is going to make it out of the first round. And last but not least, the Final Four. Who is going to be crowned the NCAA champion? All that happens in less than a week. We're going to get into that here on Sports Outside the Box. Okay, so Jesse, what is your reaction from the first week of baseball? Well, I mean, I got some some hot takes if you want to go there. Uh, how about the Orioles being the best team in baseball? Now, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna go all that. I'm not gonna go as far as saying that, but the Orioles are definitely surprising me. Um, I am a Baltimore guy, so I'm a little bit of a bias there. But I was really coming into the season expecting to be a total, you know, just bottom of the barrel kind of team and we're really they're 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 playing they're playing hard and we just won again tonight that's 4-1 to start the season um again it's it is early we still got like what over like 170 some games left to go so there's a lot there's a lot yeah yeah there's there's a lot you know but so it's good just to see that the team's competing i know and then also in the same division, you got the Boston Red Sox, the defending World Series World Series champions. They're one and four, so you got a team that was supposed to be awful starting hot, hot, and you got a team that was supposed to be hot starting awful. So that's that's one of the things. And then I'm also surprised by some of the. Um, well, I'm not really surprised. I should say I'm impressed by Christian Yelich hitting four home runs in his first four games of the season. That's Amazing. pretty impressive. Also, it works out for me because I have him on my fantasy baseball team. Amen. And then uh, also Paul Goldschmidt hitting three home runs in only a second game as a St. Louis Cardinal. So two players there having hot starts to the season. But again, like we said, there's a lot of games left. So it's going to be – it's just it's just interesting to see things start differently than a lot of people anticipated. I think you yeah appreciate what Baltimore's doing. I mean, like, you knew they were going to have a whole new roster. They traded everybody away, had all these young guys, and, you know, and all these draft picks and you know, two different things. And you got guys on here that are you know young and enthusiastic and want to make a name for themselves. So you see them playing harder and uh, they getting coached pretty well. And you see that with a four game win streak right now. I think it's pretty impressive. The thing that uh, it probably doesn't uh, impress anybody, but the fact that the Nationals, I, I don't know what we're doing right now. It looks like we're going to probably end Made up being... Washington team, Dennis. That's yeah, what we're doing. Yeah. I, we, uh, we all know the game going on right now. Looks like we're going to probably be one and three. Uh, Bryce Harper's been sh- uh, struck out tonight twice by Mike, Max Scherzer. But the fact that we're going to be one and... Yeah, what? One and three. Yeah, we're gonna be yeah. one and three, and it, it's not. I'm not understanding it. The Mets, the Mets are doing. The Mets are doing really well. The other night, Rosario on the Mets. My goodness, against the Miami Marlins, he was looking amazing. Uh, he pretty much won them that game, and then they had a home run, uh, made the game go up five two. So the the Mets are looking pretty good. Uh, the, the NL East is pretty much to me. If you want to ask me, the best division in baseball right now. Uh, 
you got what the Mets, the surprisingly enough. Yeah, I'm just saying, like, yeah, the Mets. We're not Phillies. Yeah, oh, no, I don't want to talk about the Phillies. We don't want to talk about the Phillies on this podcast. <laughs> don't be so sour, Dennis. I don't want to talk about Bryce Harper, please. Dennis, 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 when you're a Washington fan, just accept mediocrity. This is what it is. <laughs> but you see, the fact that, uh, you know, being an Atlanta Falcons fan, being a Spurs fan, but I actually do try to embrace – uh, being a Washingtonian for the Caps and the Nats, it's like I actually have to experience what you guys experience on a year-round basis, and I don't I don't like it. It sucks. It sucks. I it see, really sucks. I really see that now. Uh, something, else yeah. that's, something else that's probably surprised me is the fact that the Tampa Bay Rays are 4-1. and one, and the, yeah, yeah, they're doing it too. And the fact that how they, uh, they won the series over the Astros 3-1, uh, that's what shocked me. Uh, the fact that they start off the season like that, that's what really shocked me. And then how the, the Braves, the Atlanta Braves starting off the season one and three. Uh, that especially when they won they won the NL East last season. And it's like pretty yeah. much it's pretty much like the, the NL East. We've done a total flop. That's that's exactly what it looks like. And then well, again, it is it's super early and you know, but first impressions, you know, tend to matter somewhat in, especially even in sports, you know. With, even with so many games left to be played, it is interesting, like you said, to see these teams that were playoff teams last year. You know, the Astros won a World Series two years ago. They are looking pretty middle of the road right now. You know, I find it interesting that they didn't bring back Dallas Keuchel. You know, he was a I, I know he wasn't an all star pitcher last year, but he was still a very serviceable pitcher. I don't know if it was had anything to do with money or anything like that, but I thought it was surprised they didn't bring him back. And then, like you said, the Braves, they're off to a slow start. And, again, like I mentioned earlier, the Red Sox are off to a really slow start. The Yankees, a lot of teams picked the Yankees to be <clears throat> World Series contenders. They're 2-2. Two and two. You know, they lost the they lost the series to the Orioles. They lost, you know, one, two games to one, they lost that series. The Orioles came out with that. So, it is definitely something to see these teams that everyone was picking to either go to the World Series or fight for a spot or really – really struggling out the gate two teams that really caught my eye other than the Orioles are the Milwaukee Brewers and the Seattle Mariners they both look really good right now the Mariners they're, look great. They're, they're what six and one aren't they yeah the Mariners are six and one so yeah, they're, they look great. They're, off, they're off and flying right now and I know that they've been a trendy pick the last few seasons team a lot of people are picking them as the up-and-coming team to really take that next step and then now it finally seems like they might be doing that this year Again, like we've said already, it's a the season is very young. It's it's in its infant stages, if you will. But there's it's really interesting to see how everything's shaping up early on. I agree. Uh, I know one thing: the Cleveland Indians are definitely still missing uh, Francisco Lindor. Lindor. Uh, we know so he's, am I. he's on my fantasy team. Ouch! <laughs> but we we see he's still going to be out to what they said late April. Uh, they're two and two right now in the AL East. I think I believe they're sitting in third, but I mean, like we say, it's an early season, you know. So we're not making a big deal about anybody who's sitting in first, second, or third. Uh, something very interesting that happened today that kind of um, it probably, if anybody saw it, probably touched them a little bit. Um, Kevin Pillar uh, traded from traded from uh, the Blue Jays to the Giants. Like that was very, it was a shocking, it was shocking. I don't, I don't have like the full details on the trade, but I know. Three players from the Giants went over to the uh, Toronto Blue Jays for Pilar. Now he's he'll be in uh, 
San Francisco. But if you if you saw the interview that they conducted uh, with him while uh, like I guess a few moments after he was traded, I mean that's when oh it's like man you know that's when I guess the audience meets the actual sports player like he was he was choked up and it just he seemed like he was broken. He he was sitting there talking about how he sees the people in that stadium more than he sees his own family. And he's gonna miss it. He's like he's been there, I believe, for seven years. He was yeah, I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure he's spent his whole career there. I may be wrong on that, but you know, I've seen Kevin Pillar a lot. Being an Orioles fan, I've seen us play the Blue Jays a whole bunch over the last few years. And you know, he's been a staple of that team. You know, he's you know a great defender. Yeah. So I think the Giants might be seeing again, like you said, the no. <clears throat> The NL is kind of weak right now, or it appears to be weak early on, I should say. Appear, yeah, and appears to be. So, so the Giants feel like maybe they can make some trades and you know grab a grab a playoff spot because they have you know they won a World Series. What was it like four years ago? I believe maybe yeah, about four years ago. And so they're not too far removed from being at the top of the the baseball world. So maybe they feel like making a move right now can help solidify their chances of. Maybe getting back to the mountaintop. Yeah, I, I, I definitely wouldn't be surprised. And they do need that. They do need some better defense there. But you, we always talk about like how we always talk about loyalty in sports and how we get we get upset when players leave. How we were upset that Bryce Harper decided like, hey, uh, like his last game of the season with the, with the uh, Washington Nationals last game, the game gets rained out. They said during during that pretty much that timeout, the the manager handed Bryce Harper a note or handed him the uh, the contract agreement for ten years over three hundred million dollars, and you know he doesn't sign. He doesn't. Well, they say they say he didn't look at look at it till after the game, but he doesn't sign. He doesn't sign back here. It upsets people because you know we want loyalty, but. We don't get on the owners. We don't get on the general managers, coaches, nobody when they trade away one of our favorite people. We're, we sit there and just say, "Man, it's just part of the sport," and that's why I guess I I guess that's why I kind of felt bad for uh, Kevin Pillar because he just seems so choked up about it and is so upset. But you know, people will just say that's a part of the business, and. I don't know. It just—it doesn't seem right. It doesn't seem right to get that type of criticism. To say it's a part of the business when he obviously loves to be there. He's sitting there crying during the interview. He loves to be there, and I just think well, that's what I, what I understand is that he was really seriously considering you know, signing back with the Nationals. But apparently, when the Nationals sent out a second contract offer, I mean, lowballed him. That's when he you know said, you know, screw this, you know, I'm. I mean, he, yeah, he, he cares about being here, too, I feel like. I do feel like that, but at the same time, he's going to, at the end of the day, he's going to worry about him and his family, so he's going to want to go with a better contract, and that's what he did. I mean, I mean that's, I mean, you kind of blame management for that. You, you know, you know what he was going to get, you know what he wanted, and you lowballed him like that, and that's kind of on them, I think. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I agree, because the, the owners and the managers and the coaches take – 
you know, they always see it from the business side. That's what they always say. They always say, you know, it's a business, it's a business. But then when the players, you know, you see this a lot in the NBA and NFL nowadays. When you see the players starting to take the same the same mindset and say, oh, it's a business, and they want to do what's best for their, you know, their interests, then you get players get a lot of backlash for it. You know, oh, players, you know, you're a player. You're supposed to just go play, you know. But it's really, it is unfair that the owners and coaches, they get a pass for low-balling players on contracts, and they get a pass for trading trading away players that, you know, have been staples there because, oh, they, they it seems like the time is right to trade that person. But the players catch all this backlash from fans, and they catch all this backlash from other people when they decide, like when Le'Veon Bell decided to do what was best in Le'Veon Bell's interest, and the same thing with Antonio Brown now. You know, you can argue that maybe Antonio Brown and Le'Veon Bell did it in a maybe a little bit more selfish way. But at the same time, they had leverage and they decided to use it because they were not happy in the situations that they were in. And, no, I was – I'll be I'll be the first one to admit, I was – I thought – I call – you know, I call Le'Veon Bell a, a, you know, selfish player and I called Antonio Brown a – uh, a bad teammate for some of the stuff that he was doing, but the more time that went past, the more I started to really think about and see into it. Maybe, maybe I was being too harsh on those guys, and I kind of started to understand that, especially from Le'Veon Bell's standpoint. You know, him sitting out. You know, the the, the Steelers were using and abusing him for so many years, and then they weren't even going to. You know, they offered him a low ball offer, and at the time, I was like, oh, he should have taken the money. But now, thinking about it, it, it was a smart decision for him. But you just see things like that from, from owners and from coaches, and they get a pass. But the players, they take all the criticism. And across all, across, across all sports, it's that way. I mean, it just, it just doesn't really make much sense to me. I mean, I mean in, in comparing to baseball and football, I mean, baseball is not as much of a contact sport. So they, they're more – it's easy for them to go out and play, play every game, do their thing. With football, especially when it comes to running backs, if he played last year and took one bad you know, step, got one bad tackle, his knee bent the wrong way, he got a bad in, knee injury, he doesn't get that contract. He gets a, you know, they lowball him, they give him a one-year prove-it deal. And I mean, yeah. They, they, he did it for him. He did it, you know, he wanted the guaranteed money, and he did what he had to do. I mean, it's, it's like, I mean thing, you could say that football, you could say football players, sure, it's a contact sport, and sure that they take more of an abuse. But baseball players are, you know, they're they're playing 182 games a year, you know, for the most part, unless you're unless you're a starting pitcher. But you know, all these field a lot of wear and tear, yeah, yeah, you know, sure they don't get hit per se, but that's a lot of running, that's a lot of hitting, that's you know, a lot of them play a lot of times they'll play double games, you know, because games get rained out, so they got to play two games in one day, you know, base, you know, they they play what four, maybe even sometimes five games a week. You know, sometimes even six or seven, depending on the schedule. So these guys are out there playing every single day of the week. Compared to football, I mean, I understand football is a way more physical sport. I understand that, but they're only playing once a week. You know, so again, you can, I, the, all players, no matter, well, no matter what sport they're playing, and they have the right to to be in more about it. Yeah, it's their body, and it's the, that their body is their career. If one bad injury happens, if some tear, something breaks, whatever, it affects them, and. The thing with it is, like, players you know, get hurt and they lose the, all that money. I, the management, they just see it as, like, oh, we just lose this player. We're going we're gonna to sign this guy. We're going to trade for this guy. I mean, they, they'll just 
really, they just think of it as a you know, basically a chess piece. They just move it, find something, you know, and make make exactly. it work. You know? it's, it's, they, they don't they don't look at it as, 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 as the same way as a player does. It's kind of shitty. That's just how it is. They do. Yeah. We can jump. To, we can actually from this jump to the topic of. Uh, the NBA, where we can talk about the Warriors. Did the Warriors get the number one seed? Uh, and they pl- actually play the Nuggets tonight. And the Nuggets are fifty-one and twenty-five. Warriors are fifty-two and twenty-four. That's a, in- a very interesting game tonight, especially coming down to the NBA playoffs. Uh, if you look at the NBA playoffs right now, the Warriors are number one. Uh, Nuggets are number two. So definitely a very hard-fought battle. Kate Kevin Durant stated today. That uh, that's very important to them that they get the number one seed. Uh, you know, I'm really not sure why that's really important for them. They're a very seasoned, experienced team. He wants to play. He wants to play the Thunder. That's what he wants to do. Yeah, I'm but they're the eighth seed right now. I, also, just from the standpoint, it is important that they get the number one seed because let's just say that the the Nuggets run through. Let's say the Nuggets get the number one seed and they went out, and then the the Golden State Warriors get the number two seed and they went out. The Golden State Warriors are going to want that home court advantage over the Nuggets because the Nuggets aren't a pushover team. I know that the last They're not. Last, uh, last podcast we had, we you know Dennis kind of brushed off the Nuggets like they weren't. I did too much of a threat, but seriously, I think the Nuggets can. They can they go. Did, they, they did lose to the War uh, the Wizards the other day, surprisingly. They did. Yeah, I mean, but and Joke has got we ejected. Talked, we, we've talked about it before that the NBA season's a long, just a long marathon. At, the, at this point in the season, they're starting to – they're worried about the playoffs, especially teams like the Ruggets, the Nuggets and the Warriors. They they know they're going to be a top-two seed, so they just want to get there and get the, the games that – you know, the meaningful games started. So – I don't yeah, think that, gonna, though. I, I definitely do. I mean, come on. I mean, especially for a team like the Warriors, they, they're, they've, they've been to the, – they've won the last two. They've won three out of four. They know – you know – you can. They know they're the best team in the NBA. That you know they have that swagger. They have that confidence. So they just want to get to what matters. Well, it's also important too. I mean, like like Jesse said, if, if for some reason you know, they go to the conference finals and Golden State against Denver, let's say Denver has the number one seed and it goes to Game Seven, that means that. Golden State's playing away. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. That's why that that's exactly why it should be important to the Warriors, and I and I feel as if that's why KD was stressing today. Even remember, if they lose this game today, the Nuggets will be 52 and 25, and the and Golden State will be 52 and 25. And I believe the Nuggets jumped them and get the number one seed. But the Nuggets have a very tough schedule down the stretch compared to the Warriors. And I I know it's going to be, what, uh, what four or five games left for each team. But, my yeah. God, I'm telling you, the the Nuggets, I know they have to play. I think they got to still play uh, the Timberwolves. They got to play Portland twice. They have a tough it's state. A, it's a good warm-up for the playoffs. Then. And they have to play the Spurs. I believe they have to play the Spurs in two days. Oh, yes, definitely. But that's, that's, that's exactly why I don't – like, if they lose tonight – Warriors, in my mind, automatically uh, two games up, and they get that number one seed. Because I don't see, I don't see the Nuggets winning. What five out of five, or three, uh, maybe three out of five. they went three out of five of those games. But the Warriors schedule was so easy. I think they still play the Bulls, and they play Cleveland. I'm, come on now, the Bulls yeah, and Cleveland. But, but, but you can't act like the Warriors haven't had bad losses this year. I mean, my 
Dallas Mavericks blew them out earlier this year. But they're in so play. Like, they're in playoff mode. They're if they beat the Nuggets tonight and they go like you said, they, if they beat the Nuggets and they go up two games on the Nuggets. Oh, they're going to chill out. Some, yeah, exactly. That's what I'm saying. So if they if they drop maybe a game or two and the Nuggets, you know, if the Nuggets do go down two games, they're gonna they're gonna be the opposite. They're gonna be like, all right, turn it on, and they're gonna they're gonna do the best they can to win out those five games that they have remaining. So. I mean, I do agree that if the Warriors win tonight, I would say that they're probably going to get the one seed. But I'm not going to say it's out of the realm of possibility that the Nuggets come back and, you know, make a push for it for sure. All right, so if the playoffs started today, Brian, Warriors and Thunder, game, uh, Warriors and Thunder first series, who do you have coming out of that series and what what number do you have for the series number? Golden State's going to win that series. I mean, I just, I, I just don't see, especially the way OKC's been playing recently. They just haven't been playing that well. I mean, they're winning right now against the Lakers. The La- yeah, without with the LeBronless Lakers. LeBronless I mean, Lakers. <laughs> I'm not that, I'm not that worried about them beating them. Yes, yeah, I think Golden State. I think they can win a game or two. I, I, I don't see it getting much for that. I'd say, yeah, I'd say I'm giving a win or two. I'd say Golden State in six. In six? Yeah, I think. I, because, look, I mean... I don't think so. Yeah, I, like, I really think that, like, there's so many there's teams that just kind of just, you know, messing around towards the end of the playoffs. So that's, like, the Thunder already have the, the playoff spot locked up. The only way they're going to go up more if they play the seventh seed. But I feel like once the playoffs start, it's going to be a whole different thing. Like, Russell Westbrook's going to be trying to take better shots. Paul George's going to be on, on a different level. I mean, they, they can still compete. They, they were... I feel like they have enough talent to at least win one or two games potentially. I mean, Golden State, yeah, they have all the talent, but it's not like they have like like Jesse said before, they've had some losses during this year. They're not unbeatable. They they can they can lose a game or two. It's not gonna it's not gonna be a sweep. I really don't see it being a sweep. I just I have this games. I just have this feeling. Now I'm not saying that the Thunder are gonna win the series, but I do have this feeling. It's just a feeling. I can't put any statistics behind it that the that the Warriors will not be in the finals this year. Mm. And I don't, I can't, like I said, I can't, I can't put a statistic to it. I can't give you a valid reason. It's just this feeling that I have. And I definitely think that Brock, the Thunder, uh, you know, we listen, if you guys go back and listen to last week's podcast, I like the Thunder. And I think the Thunder can match up with the, with the Warriors. I would agree with Brian. I'd probably go Warriors six maybe Warrior 7, but if the, if the Thunder won it, I'm not going to be shocked at all. I'm going to, you know, the whole world would probably be, like, shocked, but I'm be like, go back, listen to the podcast. I, I wasn't surprised, but that's definitely, if the, if the standings hold true as they do now, that's definitely the most interesting first-round matchup for sure, but again, I don't know, I just have this feeling. I think I think the Thunder, I think, I mean, I'm not sorry, I think the Thunder could beat them, and I also think the Nuggets could possibly beat them, so I just have this feeling that the Warriors aren't going to be in the finals. I wouldn't say that that matchup is the best, most intriguing matchup in the playoffs. Honestly. And the one I think is the most intriguing is Houston and Utah. I think that's going to be a really good series, honestly, because I think they're both really good teams. And they both have a good starting five. And they have some bench players. And they both have similar records. I mean, they're both, you know, really good teams. And they compete well. I think that that could be a good series to go to six or seven games for sure. I mean, I, I, I'm that, if I'm want to watch some good basketball for the playoffs, that that's the one I think is gonna be the most interesting to me. I, I really like what that what that's gonna you know be a be you know, 
I, I can tell you the only upset between the Eastern and Western Conference Finals that I have as to being an upset is the Clippers and Blazers. If that was the game today, like if the playoffs started today, it'd be uh, the uh, Clippers would be no, the Blazers would be hosting the Clippers, and I guarantee you that the Clippers would get get out of that series. I guarantee it. What? The Clippers yeah. are getting out of that series. That. I, I, don't, I don't. I mean, I know. I know. You know, Trailblazers just lost one of the better players. One of the better. He's one of the best centers. He's top ten centers in the league. Yeah. That is huge. So now your center, so now their center is is somebody, Ennis Cantor. I'm not saying Ennis Cantor is washed up. I'm not saying he's trash. He's a good scorer, but he's not a defender like Nurkic is a defender. He doesn't, he's not a shot blocker. He, like, he he can rebound a little bit, kind of, but no. I mean, yeah, but but, I don't know. Like, the Clippers, to me, like, I think they're a good team. I think they earned their playoffs, but they They don't have. They definitely have. They have no superstars. No superstars. No I mean, superstars I whatsoever. I think, I think they're well coached. I think they play good defense. I mean, but they don't have anyone. They have the best six man of the league, probably. Lou Williams. Williams. I mean, I, I agree with that. But, I mean, Trailblazers, they still have Dane. They have CJ McCollum. Seth Curry coming off the bench. Seth Curry's been playing amazing. He's been playing amazing. Yeah. Love I mean, that kid. Miles Leonard isn't, isn't the worst thing either. I mean, he can pull the three. I like him. Yeah. And, I mean, they, they they got, you know, some decent players. Evan Turner's okay. You know, Jake Lehman's not the worst thing ever. But let's yeah. not forget, like, let's not forget that Patrick, it's going to be, that would be a great, I can't, I, I hope that's the matchup. Patrick Beverly and Damian Lillard, I would love to see it. That would be a good matchup. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. <laughs> that would be a good backcourt matchup. But I, I, I agree with Brian. I'll, I, would, I would take, if that was, I would take Portland in five. I'll take it a four to one series. I, I actually, I actually have the Clippers in seven. I don't, I don't think the Clippers have the experience necessary. I mean, I know Patrick Beverly has been in a lot of playoffs with his days at Houston, but they still have Gallinari. Yeah, but I just, I just don't. I mean, I just don't see it. I think the Clippers are a nice story, but I. I don't know. I just I mean, they, 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 they got some good players. They got the they got the rookie Alexander. Montez Harrell is a really good player. I like. My him God, a lot. I love that kid too. Yeah, I like him a lot. And they got Zubac. They yeah. sure do. And he he's you been he's well. been balling, balling. I mean, like I mean, but not like what Jesse said. I mean, you look. They got Patrick Beverly, Montrez Montrez Harrell. They got and what's Zubac, that? What's the rookie's name? Woods. What's the rookie's name? Galeas Alexander, I believe. Yeah, but I mean, it's balling. Other than that, they, they don't—they really don't have anything that's really. Did you hear what I said, Brian? Yeah, did, Brian, Temple. Brian, did you hear what I said? He's balling. The Clippers are balling. Clippers, Clippers in seven. No, I don't see it happening. I'm sorry. So, question. I think. The, I, think Dame, I don't think. Good. I don't think Dame would let it happen. Dame's gonna have to think, let it happen. It's Dame time. It's not gonna Dame be Dame time. time. Patrick Beverly has his own island. Because if Dame wants to be taken seriously amongst the top point guards in the NBA, he can't lose. He can't lose playoff series like that. Not to the Clippers. You can't lose a, can't lose a playoff series to, a, like you said, a a superstarless Clippers team. Is it's not. It's not like this is the days of Blake Griffin and Chris Paul and Lob City. This is, you know, this is some new Clippers uh, era. Like they have a bright future, but if you're Damian Lillard and you want to be taken seriously as a top point guard in this league with the likes of Russell Westbrook and Steph Curry, 
you cannot allow your team and to go into the playoffs and to lose to this Clippers team. You can't let it happen. I don't think it's going to happen. They got one of the best backcourts in the, in the game with TJ McCollum and Damian Lillard. I mean, then combined, they can get they can, 60 to they, 70 points. They can definitely drop a good 60. Yeah, so, I mean, and, and he's still got other players that I mentioned that they, that can contribute. I mean, I, like I said, I mean, you, you want to hear I, 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 you want to hear something disrespectful that I have? Please, let me Eastern Conference. We haven't gone through. We haven't talked about the Eastern Conference team yet. Disrespectful. I have the Celtics beating the Pacers in seven. Why I don't. Is that disrespectful. It's disrespectful because the Celtics. Allison, the Celtics has compared to the Pacers. It should shouldn't be going to seven. It games. should not be going to seven games. They have the exact same record though. I think the Celtics. Yeah, but remember, but remember, but remember. But remember, that's when Victor Oladipo was still playing. Yeah, that's because. But the, but that was what a month, two months ago. Like they still been, they still been, they still and been they going have along. Def- they, oh, they have been going along, but they've fallen off a little bit. Don't get that twisted. They've definitely fallen off. I don't, I don't think it's disrespectful to say. Oh no, it's, it's a not. I don't know. I mean, what it, the best player they have right now is Bogdanovich. Is Bogdanovich? I mean, yeah, but Miles Turner. Miles Turner ain't nothing to laugh at. Miles Turner's got skill, and that's just one player. They Boston have. If you let, if you let, okay, but what you're what you're doing right now is you're just paper comparing. You're just paper comparing, which is fine. Which is whatever. That's why everybody picked the Boston at the beginning of the season because they're like, look, they got Kyrie, they got Gordon Hayward, they got Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, they got Al Horford, they got Jalen Brown, they got Terry Rozier, like. Yeah, I just named a whole starting five plus Scary a six man Terry. that should be a sixty one team. But guess what? They're not a sixty one team. They only have forty six wins, and that's for a reason. And so don't act like they're just gonna go in and they're gonna like they should sweep the Pacers because that's I'm not. not gonna I'm not saying they should sweep them. It, the the just, series it should be four one. It should be four one. I don't think they will, but I think they should. I don't think they should sweep them. I should be a four one series. It should be a five game series. I'm just. Saying, I would. I would not be surprised if the Pacers took it. I'm not saying they will. I'm not going to pick it. I'm not well, picking it, but I won't be surprised. I can, they won't take it. I can I tell you. Right I can tell you right now. The Eastern Conference is so jambled up. It's so well. Let's say jambled. It's so jumbled. I'm it's the Eastern so, Conference scene right now. The playoffs. Dude, it's gonna change. Matches. It's gonna change that that whole thing you're seeing. Because look, so they're all like five, one game away from like changing it all up, like fifth to eighth seed or whatever. Dude, because you see the magic. I don't know. I don't know if the Heat. I would love for the Heat to get in. I would love Dwayne Wade just to make one last run, just one more run. Even though he's gonna have to play the Bucks, and I don't know if you saw the statistic, uh, statistic on the Bucks this week. They have beaten forty-five teams this year, ten and double digits. And the last, what they say, last seven teams that have done that have won the championship. So. I, if the Bucks got to play the Heat, Dwayne Wade, at least you went out, you know, in the playoffs. You know, at that, least... that, if, that, if they play in the first round, I don't even see that going to five games, honestly. Oh no, I mean, that's yeah. a sweep. One matchup I think could could you know could cause uh, a shakeup in the East standings. Right now, it's not right now it's not seeded this way. But if it happens to seed to where Brooklyn plays Philadelphia. I wouldn't be surprised if Brooklyn gave him troubles. I would not be surprised. I, I think they'll give him some troubles. I mean, I don't, right now, Brooklyn, they won't they won't sweep them. Dude, no, they won't sweep. Right now, the way it's seeded is Brooklyn is the seventh seed, so they're slated to play Toronto, who's a who's the two seed. So, I, right that I think Toronto would handle them, would handle Brooklyn. 
but I really do think if Brooklyn can get to the sixth seed, which they're only a half a game out right now, so if they get to the sixth seed and play Philadelphia, I think Brooklyn could steal uh, steal game two. You know, maybe even you know some things go the right way. They could take that series of seven games. They even win it. I don't think they would, but I definitely think it would be interesting. You know, D'Angelo Russell's been balling. Spencer Dinwiddie, you got Joe Harris. They got a they got a young team that's that's hungry. And when you have a young team that's hungry, there's no you know, and they have skill, they have continuity. You know, they can make some noise. Yeah, you're really rooting for these underdogs in these playoffs right now. I'm not. I'm not rooting for them. What I'm what I'm just telling you all is I'm telling you what I see and what could happen. Now, if you're gonna ask me to just pick it out straight up. I'm not picking any upsets. I wouldn't pick. I wouldn't. I wouldn't bet on any of them. Clippers I'm, and I'm not a bet man. But if it was a bet man, I'm not going to bet on any upsets. But what I'm doing is I'm going through and I'm looking. I'm seeing this could happen for sure. Like I would see Miami against Milwaukee. Milwaukee's going to take that series, no questions asked. Toronto against Detroit or Toronto against Brooklyn. I'm taking Toronto no matter what, you know. But some of these other series, yes, I'm going to take Boston to beat Indiana, but. I'm not going to be shocked if Indiana takes it, you know. So, yeah, a, a series, a series that you can absolutely not sleep on. Of course, the only series we did not talk about in the Western Conference, you cannot sleep on the Nuggets and the Spurs. Uh, their series, you cannot sleep on it. Greg I'm Popovich, that Greg Popovich has had the Spurs balling. I believe that was about th- uh, two, three weeks like ago. The Spurs, the Spurs won a what, a ten or eleven game winning streak. You can't sleep on the Spurs. I'm sleep. I've been not only am I sleeping, I hit the snooze button. That's because you're a Mavericks fan, so that's why you're snoozing. No, it has nothing to do with me being a Mavericks fan. It has everything to do with my belief in the Nuggets. Like seriously, like I don't, I don't think Dennis, you're giving. I don't think you're giving this Nuggets team the respect they deserve. Because I was doing the same thing. Like January, I was looking at the Sands. I was like, oh man, the Nuggets, they're all right. I was like, eh, I'm not. You know, but the more this, the more the season's gone on, the more I've kind of paid attention to them, and the more I've been like, this team is this team is dangerous, man. This team ain't no joke. This isn't a team that, you know, you just just gonna say, oh, they had a good season. Like, uh, this team is something to be taken for, be to it's a force to be taken with. So, oh, trust and trust and believe. I I completely get that. Uh, my only thing is I have to see what they're going to do. Because remember the last two seasons, they have tried to fight their way into the postseason. They missed it the last two seasons, which is very shocking. When you see the team that they have, you're like uh, uh, Nikolai Jokic, Paul Millsap, Jamal Murray. Jamal Murray, Gary Harris. You got Craig now. Like I get it. It's, it's, a, it's a good team. And they got Isaiah Thomas. Oh, Isaiah Thomas. How dare I forget the all. How dare I forget the superstar. But... It's a good team. Do they still have? Do they still have one of the Plumley Plumley boys. I'm not sure. They got, they got Mason. Yeah, they got Mason. Yeah, I like Mason Plumley too. Uh, but yeah, I like I like I like the squad. I really do. When I play 2K, it's one of the squads that I use. I like the squad. But I'm just saying, You're don't give no respect. I I'm he's just kind of saying. A, I, I kind of, I'm kind of with Dennis. I mean, he's kind of hard to like against a great positive I'm just saying don't I'm not saying the Nuggets aren't going to get out of there I'm not saying that because let's who, not forget let's not forget that Dennis is a Spurs homer so no I'm not su- that. but no I'm, that, I'm not I'm, I'm with it I understand what you're saying I, I know what you're saying like I mean Spurs have always been competitive they're always there no, I mean they were given Golden State uh, Golden State Golden State had a couple years ago before Kawhi got hurt I mean they were they were there they were yeah, but they don't 
But they don't have a Kawhi Leonard type player. I know yeah, DeRozan. I mean, is good. DeMar DeRozan's a beast. Lamarcus Aldridge has been balling. He's not a Kawhi Leonard type player. Lamarcus Aldridge like, has been like balling. He's like the second, third best shooting guard in the league. That's because there is no shooting guards anymore. Wow. I have to say, though, he's still one of the best. I mean, him and Lamarcus Aldridge can still, you know, do some. Work. They clearly I mean, do <laughs> damage. Yeah, they're a good team in the West, but I don't think. I think if they match up against Portland, yeah, then I would have the argument with you. Then I would say the Spurs are a legitimate threat. But I'm not going to have this conversation if the Spurs are playing the Warriors or if they're playing the Nuggets. Hold on, hold on. So, question. So, if the Spurs, if the Spurs played, if the Spurs played the Thunder, I guarantee you we could give the Thunder some go. If we played the Rockets, we could give the Rockets some go. We could definitely. We could, not gonna put a thunder in the first round. Oh no no no! I'm not saying I'm not saying I'm just comparing it. I'm just comparing teams. I think they. I, I'm telling the the Nuggets aren't going to sweep the Spurs. It's going to be a four two series. It's going to be four two Nuggets. It's, it's not going to be a sweep. It really won't. It might be hey, four uh, two or four one Nuggets. They won't hey, be a sweep. Uh, just want to let y'all know that my uh, boy Russell Westbrook just had a 2020 game. Oh my 20 goodness! Twenty two rebounds, twenty one assists. That's pretty yeah. impressive. But it's against the Lakers. I don't care. I don't care. And they. We don't talk about against the Lakers. He could be playing. He could be playing. Did, uh, did you just say last week that the Lakers are trash? They are trash, but we put <laughs> on the 2020 20 game. That's impressive. No matter who you're against playing. a trash team, Jesse. I don't care. He played, trash. he played high schoolers. Yeah, I mean Russell Westbrook averages a triple double. Which I'm not that impressed with that anymore. I mean, it's he's just Brian. Brian, team. don't you ever in your life say that again. Don't I mean, you like 20, ever. 2020. Come on now. Okay. The last person to do a 2020 20 was Wilt Chamberlain. That hasn't been done in like 60 years, 50, 60 years. Russell Westbrook, Russell Westbrook is a doesn't... stat pattern, anyways. That's, that's his thing. He's, he okay, but he's never done a 2020 20 game. What did he do against the Lakers? I'm very impressed. He should be. I'm not. But <laughs> my, my thing is, I, I'm surprised that. He's going to get 2020 20 against the Lakers. I know that. I wanted to get one, one, one. I mean, I don't care, but I'm not Russell Westbrook. But my thing is the fact that you're not impressed with Russell Westbrook averaging a, a triple double because the okay, fact that okay, I, I I said that wrong. It's impressive regardless. The average a triple double for a year is okay. impressive. Uh, I, I, only saying, reason I'm just, what, what I'm saying is I'm so used to it these days because that's what he averages. It's just I'm like, oh, he got another triple double. For the my third third year in a it's row, he's averaging a triple double. But something that hadn't been done. It's not even a triple double, really. It should be like a triple double, 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 because it's twenty twenty twenty. It's not just ten ten ten. It's twenty twenty twenty. It's still double digits. <laughs> Jesse, you're Jesse, but that comment, your Uber is outside, brother. Your Uber is outside. Are you paying for it? This man, yeah, I mean, yeah, he's averaging a triple double, but there's still barely an eighth seed in the playoffs. I mean, it's not but like that's Paul awesome. George's fault. No, he has not. Don't say that. Don't you say that. For the year? For the year. If you want to compare the year, you want to compare after the All-Star break, that man has been, ooh, he's been off. That's all they've been talking about was Paul George struggles, all the Warriors struggles, but Russell Westbrook has been stepping up. Russell Westbrook's numbers are all up, but Paul George is the one that's been struggling. Before the All-Star break, he wasn't doing anything crazy either. But that's because he wasn't shooting, shooting great. But oh, Russell Westbrook shooter. was shooting awful before the All Star break. He, but I think they they said for anybody who's played, what it was thirty games, he had the worst field goal percentage and uh, the first or second field goal percentage in the league. 
for people who have played 30 to 35 games. It was some, it was some stat like that, that he had one of the worst field goal percentages. But now he has Russell does that, that I don't understand is there's a lot of times when he just tries to do too much and he makes bad decisions, especially late in the games. I've seen him just struggle because he's trying to do too much. He's trying to be that player. That he can, you know, make a clutch shot or get, you know, the, the extra assist or do something like and he just and he he'll cause a turnover, you know, do make a bad shot. I and mean, he's he, he he looks great for three and a half courts, but I feel like when it matters most, he doesn't do what he needs to do. The old the old LeBron jokes. I mean, but can you can you can you disagree with me on that? Like when when have you ever seen Russell Russell Westbrook do anything that crazy that that clutch and a meaningful LeBron? Game I mean Russell game. Westbrook. Oh, you said in a meaningful game. I said that man has like fourteen buzzer beaters in his career. So I, I, yeah, no, I mean, I, I mean, I, I, I like Russell Westbrook. And, like I do like him. I think he has a lot. You like him. He's one of the most athletic players in the game, and he does a lot of good things. He also does a lot of bad things too. That, a lot of bad you know, things. He, he, he's one of the best point guards in the league. Yes, but like I said, he they're barely, they barely, or you know, in the playoffs, they got an eight, the eight seed right now. I mean. With him averaging triple double, I mean that's to me like it's it's not that impressive in that sense. Like yes, it's, you're doing you're putting these points and you're getting all these stats, but the real thing that really matters, the only stat that really matters is the win loss column, and it's not that impressive. I mean the Spurs are doing better with I think a, le- a less talented roster in my opinion. I agree, but, but they I also have Greg Popovich. Well, yeah, but they got the edge in coaching. Yeah, they definitely have the edge. But that's what, that's, well, that's what I was <clears throat> trying to say earlier about the, you know, San Antonio going against Denver. Bet, like, going, agreeing with Dennis. That they don't have yeah, that, their most talented team, but they have enough. They're so well coached and they have enough talent that they can give Denver a headache. Sure. I get, uh, Spurs can maybe win two games, but I don't think it's – I don't see it going to seven. I don't see the Spurs winning it. So, guys. No, I, I mean, I agree with you. I think, I think Denver's going to win, too. I'm just saying. So like, talking. I mean, that's the saying is that they're not gonna be swept. I mean, I think they're gonna. Yeah, that's all. Only five or six games. Well, in this day and age, uh, unless you're unless you are the Warriors, honestly, like you're not sweeping sweeps, nobody. The sweep, yeah, sweeps don't happen as much as they used to, honestly, and it's a testament to how deep the NBA is. Um, but at the same time, when you have a team like the the Super Warriors, then yeah, they're gonna be sweeping people, but everyone else, like. Even LeBron James's teams with with Cleveland when he was winning championships, even when LeBron James when he was in Miami winning championships, those teams didn't just sweep everybody. They they would go in and lose a game, lose two games, but they I, would get through. I feel I feel like uh, maybe last year is the last year two years ago that Cleveland swept just about every everyone. You know, going into the uh, it was two years ago, but that was that was just that one time. That was because the. No, the, the the East was so weak that year. The only team that they really had to compete with at that time was um, was Boston. But this is the strongest East has been in the last two or three years, at least. I still don't even think it's that impressive, honestly, when you look at it compared to the West. Well, yeah, it's, the, the East hasn't been better than the West since, what, the 90s when MJ was there. But it's just because the West is just, I don't know. It's just the West always has talent. You know, teams like to go to the West coast. I mean, not sorry. Players like to go play on the West coast. So like a lot of free agents go over to the West coast when they hit free agency. So the West teams are always stacked. He would just think like there'd be more of a shift. Like, is he always like in the NFL, always feel like the NFC, AFC, like 
like the Super Bowl champions are always kind of flipping flopping. Like I feel like the NFC wins for a handful of years, and then the AFC is dominant for a little while, and then it kind of goes back and forth with that. But this is just more lopsided. I, I well, yeah. Well, in football, also football is the only sport where you don't have East versus West. Well, no, baseball too. I'm sorry, baseball. Baseball and football. There's no East versus West. It's you know two different leagues, technically speaking. Whereas uh, hockey and basketball is East West. Yeah, that's true. So I mean, in football, and also in football uh, is a. Uh, I feel like players don't just go to like warm weather teams in football. It's a lot. There's a lot more stuff involved in stuff. I don't know. I think it's just a little different. That's all. All right, guys. So next question. Do you believe that the Wizards were right for firing their president today? Absolutely. Let me start this off. I am so happy, guys. (laughs) Christmas came early, early and I cannot be happier. This man, I mean, I haven't been a Wizards fan as long as he's been a GM. But as long as I've been a Wizards fan, he's been there and he has done pissed me off. Because all he does is the least. And it's the worst. I mean, he... It's been there 16 years. You haven't gotten 150 win team. You haven't gotten. He was there for 16 years. He was there for 16 years. Holy crap! I didn't even know that. Yeah. Years. I mean, I, the Wizards are Ted Leonis. Mm. I mean, he's he's the most patient man I've ever seen in my life. Because in no way I could deal with Ernie Grumpel for 16 years. Dude, but his all old... he's done is just, he's been an average team just without a whole I mean, time there. Other than other than obviously this year and I think last year, the Wizards were a playoff team almost every year. It's just you there was LeBron in the East. So I can I guess I, mean, I can under, I can understand why the owner would be patient with them because if you guys are making the playoffs but LeBron's in the East, then I can understand why No, there was there was definitely some years where we weren't making the playoffs. I mean with the last since we got John Wall and Bradley Beal, we've been more consistent, but before that there was a few years when we weren't that good. And I mean, it's still, but that's another thing. It's the East. I feel like we should at least be doing more damage. We don't play Cleveland ever in the playoffs like that. So it's not like it's it's LeBron that's knocking us out. It's just you couldn't get past Toronto. Yeah, we did. We beat Toronto um, not last year, but um, yeah, it was three years ago. Was that two three years? years ago? Yeah. We beat Toronto in I think uh, five games because DG three was lining it up and killing it. Like who, who we all eliminated by that year then? If it wasn't Toronto, um, was it Cleveland? I think it was Cleveland. I don't, I don't think it was Cleveland. I'm, but I couldn't, I I couldn't really blame Grunfield for like this season in particular. I'm like John Wall injured, Dwight Howard I, I can injured, still, I can still blame him. Markeith <laughs> Morris injured. But the thing I can blame him on the fact that you were there for 16 seasons. Your all-time record is 568, and then you have 724 losses. So that's not that great. You also really couldn't do anything when you had Gilbert Caron and Antoine Jameson on the same team. So the fact that like you had those three superstars all together, and let's not forget Nick Young was here too. Uh, and uh, Nick, 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 Nick Young. Swaggy P. Swaggy P. Let me. Oh, excuse me. I, I'm disrespecting <laughs> no, that man. So Swaggy P. Javel McGee. We, we were talking about with with the Raptors when we swept the Raptors. We lost to the Hawks in the second. That's year. not surprising because the Hawks were great. That's when they were really good. They That's were when great. They were Fifty wins. Jeff T. Paul Millsap. Al Horford. Uh, they were great. We got lost. We lost in Game Six. But that's all. We also 
I believe John Wall got hurt that series. He was hurt. I think he hurt his hand. He's always hurt. That's a, yeah, well, yeah. But, I mean, in the year after that, we didn't even go to the we didn't even go to play. Before we got that uh, playoff series, we won the playoff series against the Raptors. We went to playoffs a year before and lost the second round to the Pacers. But before that, we went five years without going to the playoffs. Five years. Uh, all right. That's a Fair enough. So, I, I mean, it, that's a long time. The, the best year we really had, and we had a real good chance, it was two years ago. We were at game seven against Boston. One game away from going to Eastern Conference Finals. And we could have won that game, too. But, you know, we're Washington, so we do what we do, and we lose. But, I mean, he hasn't done anything great. I mean, and now look, you look at what our our financial situation is with our roster, we can't really do a whole bunch. I mean, we're tied up with bad contracts like Jan Mahavian. You got Dwight Howard to play like 12 games this year. No, I agree. John Wall, I mean, John Wall getting injured. You can't. He can't really predict that. But even before he got hurt, they weren't playing great. They weren't playing well. It was still winning one game, losing two games, winning two games, losing three. I mean, it, they weren't consistent. They weren't doing well. I don't think Scott Brooks is that great of a coach. I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if he's gone. You know what? I, mean, I think I think y'all should have when you had the chance. I know I don't know you. I don't know if you guys saw this the other. Uh, no, this is actually uh, last night. Uh, Kenny Atkinson. Uh, with the New York, uh, the Brooklyn Nets got extend. It was get, gonna get an extension, and I, I was honestly surprised. But I'm like, I know that the Brooklyn Nets right now are 39-39. I'm not sure if they had a game tonight or not, but I'm like 39-39. I'm like, that's not that great. So I really was trying to figure out why he was getting an extension. Uh, but I guess I have to give kudos to their uh, general manager Sean Marks for pretty I mean, much pretty much believing in him. Before the season, like the Nets were the laughing stock of the NBA. Like, oh yeah, twenty uh, two thousand sixteen, they went twenty and sixty two. Two thousand seventeen, uh, twenty and fifty four. So I'm, yeah. I'm like, you have a combined, and they, couldn't, and they couldn't even enjoy being crappy because they traded all their first round picks away to the to the Celtics. But also, so you like, have to look. They had so many like bad, like you know, bad contracts. I'm like, and did you know that yeah. Darren Williams is still getting paid by the Brooklyn Nets? Yeah, exactly. I, I like cannot they, believe he's getting he's going to be getting paid un, uh, until next year. He like he will officially be off their books for the 2020-2021 season. He's been getting paid all this time. He has not played with the Nets since the 2014-2015 season, but he's still yeah, because, getting paid. Because the Nets were an awful team that made awful decisions who are trying to win a championship. Now they now they finally are uh, a uh, team that can be, you know, you have to, you have to give them a certain amount of respect when you talk about them this year, you know. So, the, I can understand why they would give the guy an extension because they finally are getting to where they want to be at. Yeah, and then, like the last time the the Brooklyn Nets made the playoffs, it was the, it was the 2014-2015 season. Uh, I believe Darren Williams had gotten traded already; he wasn't on the team anymore. But the only I was looking at the the roster. The only notable team, the only notable players that I could find that I knew on that team, uh, they went. And by the way, they went as an eight seed at, at thirty eight and forty four. Marquise Teague, Jeff Teague's brother, and <laughs> wow. Ma- and Mason Plumley, and that's it. That's all I knew. I didn't know anybody else in that on that squad. I really didn't. I was just looking. I said, I don't know any of these people. But yet, Darren yeah. Williams is still getting paid, and that was very shocking to me. 
something that something I think the Nets are going to have to really watch out for. Uh, they only have nine players signed into next season. Uh, D'Angelo Russell and uh, Richard Hollis Jefferson will both be restricted free agents. So we definitely need to sit there and watch what they're going to do. Something that's really crazy on that on the on the, um, the salary with that team, Alan Crabb is the highest paid player on that team. He's making Alan Crabb. Oh, Alan Crabb, and he and I was looking up the statistics. Um, he actually is the forty eighth highest paid player in the league. I cannot believe that. That's sad. He well, is a bench. He's I'm a. Just glad that he's a bench player. Shitty franchise. Well, I he, don't think that's sad actually, because if you look at. Is he the 48th best player? No, he's not the 48th best player. But if you're the Brooklyn Nets and your highest paid player is the 48th highest paid player in the NBA, that means you don't have a lot of bad contracts. So that means you have. But the fact that they they still they're still paying part of Dwight Howard's contract, they're still paying part of Kennifer Reed's contract, they're still paying Darren Williams, and they have three other people that I don't know on their books right now that they're still paying and that are not currently on the team. So I'm like, you might not have bad contracts, no. But in the fa- and the and the fact that next year you only have nine people to bring in, uh, for for the next season, uh, they thought they were gonna. People thought in 2018 that they were gonna be able to uh, lock up two supermax contracts. But when you put all the numbers together, they're gonna have like roughly 33 million of, uh, for the cap space. So yeah, so they're not gonna have. They're not going to be able to um, do that, but they'll, they'll be able to keep Richard Hollis Jefferson and D'Lo, uh, aka D-loading on people. I'm talking about D'Angelo Russell, that great guy. Um, they're going to be able to keep them just pretty much off of what is it called? Because they're a restricted free agent, they can just match the contract, and they have uh, bird rights on Joe Harris. But yeah, uh, but, I mean, but that those you know they can match a contract with whoever gives them an offer, but that might be a more you know, higher paid contract than they. Oh, dude, D'Lo, D'Lo, D'Lo just might get, he just might get. He's going to get paid. He's going to get paid. He's going to get paid. They'll match any contract to D'Lo. They have to. They have to. Jefferson will see, but they'll match anything to D'Lo. He's, D'Lo is that identity now. You know, you have that, you know, every team wants that player, that franchise player, that that face of the franchise. D'Lo is that for the Nets. So if they let D'Lo walk, they're just restarting from the beginning again. Oh yeah, most definitely. Um, that's what they'll be the next. And I think, honestly, I think that's why um, Kenny Atkinson probably guys, um, you know, getting his extension. I think, I think right now, like uh, depending on what the contract's going to be, he's going to be the longest tenured coach uh, in in Nets history. But under, if you look under Kenny Atkinson, um, D'Angelo Russell grabbed his first All Star appearance. Uh, Joe Harris and Jared Allen are both having career seasons. And Mike Bootenhoser from the Bucks said that he thinks that uh, he should uh, Kenny Atkinson should win uh, Coach of the Year. And right now, Kenny Atkinson's actually twelfth uh, in the twelfth finalist for Coach of the Year. But of course, you know Kenny Atkinson because uh, I can't remember. I, th- I believe Kenny Atkinson was under Bootenhoser, uh, but of course, Kenny Atkinson said no. I shouldn't be nowhere near him. He should be way above me. He should win Coach of the Year, but. Yeah, I I think Kenny Atkinson's uh, he's doing the thing, man. I I really hope the, the Nets can do something in the playoffs. The Nets should just uh, they should just go back to Jersey. That'll be that make the Nets great again. Go back to Jersey. If you say anything with anything said with great again, you'll be <laughs> off this podcast. Hey, just need to, if 
was them, I would just want to change everything because their logo and his name is just. I like stupid. no, I like it all. No, you got you got to see the Nets. They've been the Nets forever, they but have. I yeah, when they went to Brooklyn, I don't know. It was just they they. It kind of felt like an expansion team, honestly. Like it didn't feel it like felt the Nets weird. anymore. It did feel weird. It felt really weird. Like it felt almost as weird as when the. The Hornets left Charlotte and went to New Orleans. Like, yeah. that's how weird it felt. Or when the Supersonics became OKC because it had like it had nothing to do with anything. Like I, the Seattle Supersonics, all of a sudden OKC. Like it had nothing to do. I like with, their uniforms too. The colors and, and the logos of the name. I it just, mean, I, it I just had nothing. Like to, it had nothing to do with anything about the Supersonics. Okay, I mean, a Seattle team, I enjoyed like seeing like the uniforms stuff. Like because I hate Seattle, the Seattle Seahawks uniforms and stuff. I think they're so ugly. Okay, I cannot Brian. stand them. Right. I also Seattle, don't like Seattle. Seattle needs a franchise again. They do. I, I agree. When they're talking they're about it, they're they, talking they've been talking about, about that for they years. Get, they're gonna get an NHL. They're getting an NHL franchise, I think, next they're year. They're also talking about getting an um, NBA team as well. They should. I mean, well, if the NBA, they're gonna have to. The NBA would need two because you can't just have thirty-one teams. That's weird. So they would need to have two. Yeah, they have to teams. add two. Yeah. So, because right now the NHL's at 31 teams, and that's why they're bringing in a Seattle team. They put it at 32. I think that will cap it. I'm pretty sure no one wants to go past 32. Agreed. Yeah, no, that'd be that'd be too much after that. I remember when I was I remember when I was a kid. I used to always think it'd be cool if every state had one team. I so still think that I still think that'd be cool. So yeah, but games, it'd be that'd a be lot, so many games. It'd be too but, many games. You don't want it to be watered down. I guess is. And plus, if you had a team, like, no offense to, like, Montana, but if you have a team in Montana, no one's really going to be that excited. Go to but Mon- then, uh, yeah, we say, well, another thing with that, too, is if you do that, that's a lot, that's so many more teams that they get to play. That just means it's, le- it's not as uh, competitive. It's going to be a lot less talented rosters. Yes. That's, that's what I meant by watered down. Yeah. It's, it's just what it, it, it would suck. That's just doing the most. Well, guys, since we're talking about basketball, we can just go ahead and slide right over to the last segment, March Madness. Did you guys see any other games this weekend? Uh, I, I didn't. I didn't really see any of them because I was working for the most part. But I saw a couple of pieces here and there. I definitely. I saw the very end of the you know, Duke game, basically. And I, you know, I just I'm about all to say. the highlights and all the recaps of all of it. It's crazy to see all what happened in the, in the Elite Eight. I'm gonna go. In, I'm gonna go into the Duke game last. But the first game that I want to touch on is the team that I said from the very beginning. And everybody, you can go look on. You can get at Athletic Sphere. Um, you can go on uh, Twitter or Instagram at Athletic Sphere and check it out. But March 21st on the page, I have Auburn in my Final Four. And lo and behold, they did it. Oh, my God. Lo and behold, they did it. Auburn went, Auburn and Kentucky, Auburn went 77-71. Bryce Brown and Jared Harper were absolutely torching the Wildcats. Uh, They tried, they kept trying to put Reed Travis uh, on, they kept trying to put Reed Travis on uh, Bryce Brown a little bit. They tried to shut him down. Bryce Brown was shooting lights out. Uh, with uh, Jared Harper. They were trying to put Tyler Hero on him. Uh, Jared Harper's just too quick, too fast. You can't you can't stay in front of him for too long or else. And that or else kept happening every single time. It was bucket after bucket after bucket. 
the most scary part of the game of that game was definitely towards the end. I was more than certain that Auburn was about to blow it. I was more than certain. Uh, Bryce Brown gets the ball. He gets double teamed. About ball about to go out of bounds. And uh, the ball's about to go out of bounds. And he calls a quick timeout. I was like, okay, cool. They go, they inbound the ball. Had to take an awful shot. Kentucky goes down. Misses it like three times. Misses it. Uh, and then all of a sudden, here comes Bryce Brown coming down again. Of course, I'm going to double-team Bryce Brown. Bryce Brown's going to have the whole game. Kyler Perry just keeps saying, double-team Bryce Brown. Double-team Bryce Brown. Bryce Brown's coming down the court. He he has to pass it. He passes it. The dude shoots the ball with 2.4 seconds left. Miss it. They go to OT. But in OT, Jared Harper comes alive. He comes alive, and he tells Kentucky, it's time to go night-night. Because we're about <laughs> Because we're about to win this game, seventy-seven, seventy-one, and the big, the big moment in the game, nine point one seconds left. Uh, who was it? It was Keldon Johnson. Keldon Johnson on uh, Kentucky. It was seventy-five, seventy-one. He tries to go up for a layup to make it 75-73. and Ma- and Mclemore from Auburn with a nasty block. Uh, Keldon Johnson fouled Jared Jared Harper trying to get the ball, so a loose ball foul. Jared Harper goes to the line, two free throws, knocks both of them down. 77-71 win for Auburn. I couldn't have been more happy for him. Honestly, couldn't have been. I know nobody. I'm sure you didn't. You picked him. Oh yeah, man. I couldn't. I couldn't have been more happy for him. Uh, like, and I kept telling her. I kept telling everybody they were the SEC champions for a reason. Please don't sleep on them. They were the SEC champions for a reason. They went. They uh, had to battle a lot of teams, and they beat. Uh, Tennessee, the Tennessee Volunteers and the SEC Championship. And I, I was like, I think they can go all the way. But I definitely had them losing in the championship game. But we're going to definitely have to see about that one now. Can we just uh, can we just take a second, a moment of beautiful silence oh, to no. celebrate, to celebrate the pure blessing of Duke losing. That's no, enough. That's enough. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. This is proof that Jesus is real. I don't care what anyone has to say. (laughs) The blue devils, the devils are done. They're done, and I'm a happy camper. What was so surprising about that was the fact that, so in March, in in March solely, Duke was 9-1 in March, and the only game that they lost to was North Carolina, and that was without Zion Williamson. But if you want to go back, Lady, hey, all, all, I'm just I'm just giving you some statistics here. But we all knew the fact that they lost by one point, Lady Luck was going to run out for Duke at some point. Four out of those nine wins that they had in March, uh, well, 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 yeah, four of the nine wins came with two points or less. And two of those wins came in the tournament. So... I'm like, Lady Luck was going to run out eventually. This was not about to be five out of ten or the the fifth game out of ten that they're going to uh, grab another win and, you know, and have it by one point. Lady Luck has to run out eventually. And R.J. Barrett, R.J. Barrett, you know, what do they always preach? They always preach to you, you got to make your free throws. And he didn't do it. He He missed the first one. Uh, tried to try to miss the second one on purpose, but we all know what happens when you try to miss the second one on purpose. You make it, and that's exactly. Well, it, it, it's it's kind of just crazy to me. Cause, I mean, we talked about this last week about how you, you know, barely got away from UCF. 
And so we were talking about how, you know, they barely got past yeah. Virginia Tech. And barely yeah. got past them, too. And we were like, well, these teams are trying to figure out, you know, a, you know, a, a plan to give, you know, to take them down. But like Dennis said, they kept having Lady Luck on their side. This time it just wasn't working, which it shouldn't even have to be, you know, bad. Because, you know, they, they were the most talented roster, like, going into this whole team. This whole they were like they were like the Fab Five. Yeah, they they had the most talented roster, and they had you know a lot of people think of like the one of the best, if not the best, college coach in the game, and yep. and they and, and you know you you barely get these wins. You have all this talent. I think that I think they got in their heads too much. I think they thought too much of themselves. They thought that they could bullshit around and but, like just do some you know make some dumb decisions and try to show off and do kind of stuff here and there. And it finally came and got them. I mean, it's it's it's. You know, I'm happy about it, but I mean, since I feel like they, they, they really screwed the pooch on this one. They, they could have really done I mean, this whole tournament. I said last week that I thought Michigan State posed the biggest threat as far as matchups goes to Duke, and I mean, that it came true. It was, Michigan State is a very defensive-minded team. They have the skills to also be an offensive team, who, and they're also coached by a great college coach in Tom Izzo, so... They had they checked every box that needed to be checked as a team that could to take down Duke, and so that's why I thought you know if there was any team that was going to do it, it was going to be Michigan State, and they did it. Um, going forward, I don't know about you guys, who, who you guys are thinking as far as uh, national title concerns are, but I am a huge believer in what Texas Tech has been doing. Like the way they've just been steamrolling through competition, they absolutely destroyed Michigan. Then they went in, handled Gonzaga, the highest scoring team there, averaging some like 91, 92 points a game, held them to like just like 70 some points. Like they just went in and they took care of business. Um, so I'm a huge believer in this Texas Tech team. I'm thinking it's going to be Texas Tech and Virginia. Um, I, I know Auburn has been, has been doing it and they've been doing it at a very impressive rate. But I just, I feel like this is for, there's so much crap about Virginia. They're the only number one seed to lose to a 16 seed last year. You know, represent UMBC, our local our local college around here in Baltimore. But this, I feel like this is the year that they they're going to come back and they're going to make amends for all their past demons. They've been they've always been teased about being knocked out of the Final Four, or I'm sorry, not even making it to the Final Four. They've been knocked out before they even get to the Final Four. And now they finally, they're the only number one seed left. They they were a great team all year. Everybody, every, all year people were saying, you know, oh, here goes Virginia doing it what they usually do. We'll see what happens come come tournament time. Well, it's tournament time. They're in the Final Four. They're matched up against Auburn. It's going to be a good game. But I'm going to take Virginia. I'm going to take Texas Tech. And uh, I'll go with Virginia to win it all. I'm sticking with Virginia, too. I picked them last week, and I'm going to stick with them now because – that's all I got. Um, I didn't do a bracket, so I'm going to go with Virginia. I'm definitely going to uh, stick with Auburn. Auburn will definitely be in the championship game, and they will win it. You want to you make a little wager on that? I do Auburn-Virginia game? No, I don't. <laughs> you sounded so confident. That's what happened. Oh, I am confident. I don't make wagers on, on podcasts. That means that, that means so I have to, when we get off of this podcast. Because that means that means I might I'm gonna have to stick to my word when you guys wanna sit there and try to air me out that I didn't pay any money. <laughs> <laughs> and I do definitely do not want to do that. But I almost forgot guys. So one more we'll do one more one more segment. 
who do you believe, like, for your top three free agents in the NFL, and we're going to try to do this as quick as possible, but the top three free agents in the NFL that are still left out there, in your opinion, where do you believe they should go? And, Jesse, I guess you can start this one off. Okay, real quick, uh, I'll start at the number three spot. Number three, I have Zach Brown. Uh, Ryan knows all about Zach Brown being a rescue linebacker. Amen. I think the dude's, dude's still got a lot left in the tank. I know he's had some a little bit of injury concerns here and there. But, you know, a few quick stats from him from last year. He played, he played 60 games, started, uh, I believe, 12 or 13 of them. He only had one sack. He's never been much of a pass rusher. But, man, is he a tackling machine. He had 96 tackles. Yeah, uh, for, yeah very good against the run. Struggles a little bit in coverage, but he's a really good 3-4 linebacker. I think a great fit for him, even though it's not a 3-4 anymore, it's more of a hybrid scheme, um, put Zach Brown on the Browns. Their biggest their biggest weakness right now on the defense side is the linebacking core. They lost Jimmy Collins. Um, they still they have did. Joe Scobert. They still have Jim, uh uh, something Avery, I can't pronounce the dude's first name. He was a rookie last year. He he showed some some flashes, but I think you put Zach Brown on the Browns. You have a little bit of veteran leadership there. Uh, my number two free agent still out there is Jay Ajayi. Um, I know that he's you know I hate Jay Ajayi. I hate Jay Ajayi. I know he has a huge injury uh, injury list uh, as far as the inability to be on the field, but I think. For this one particular team, it makes a lot of sense. And that team is the Indianapolis Colts. Because I think Marlon Mack is a star running back in the making. You know, he has all the skills needed. But my fear is um, you don't want to put too much on the kid. And uh, you still have Andrew Luck, you have T.Y. Hilton. But you put J.J. in there to compliment Marlon Mack. J.J. can stay healthy longer because he's not playing as much. And he's more of a complimentary back. Don't forget, 2016, J.J. had over 1,200 yards and eight touchdowns for a very mediocre Miami Dolphins team. So He got like half of that in like two and a half games. Like I'm, I'm not that impressed with that. He had like anyway. two, three, two 200-yard games. Well, you can talk about your free agents when it's your turn. It's my turn, Brian. <laughs> Sorry. And then, my, and then the number one free agent I still have out there, and uh, most people would probably agree, is the Dominican Sioux. Five-time Pro Bowler, uh, three-time All-Pro Selection. 56 career sacks, 107 career tackles for loss. The dude uh, is a – when he wants to be, that's his biggest concern is he has a lack of motor sometimes. When he wants to be, the dude is a total dominant dude in the inside. I think he was playing out of position in the 3-4 Rams defense. He'll be much more useful if he goes back to a 4-3 defense where he can play the three technique and he doesn't have to worry about – because in the 3-4 where he was playing – he had to do a lot more run stuffing and a lot more just eat up blocks. He wasn't able to get off to the quarterback as much as he probably would have liked. So you put him back in a 4-3, put him at the under technique, under tackle position. And I think a team that makes a lot of sense for him is a, in a comp, in a, I'm sorry, in a division where he has a lot of experience going back to the NFC North, put him in Minnesota. You know, that defense was a dominant defense two years ago when they were one game away from the Super Bowl. You put him back in the NFC North. Put him back in a 4-3 defense. You put him on in the middle. You got Everson Griffin on one side, rushing the passer. And then you um, you got uh, – God, I can't even think of the other guy's name. Um, who's the other pass rusher on Minnesota? Everson Griffin. They got uh, – The other guy. Um, um, I can't uh, think of his name. Oh Daniel Hunter. Yes. Yeah, that's Daniel, right. Daniel, Daniel Hunter. I knew he went to LSU. Daniel Hunter, he had a huge year last year. 
So you got two bookend rushers. You put Donald Kasu on the inside. You got Harrison Smith roaming the, the, the safety position. You got Xavier Rhodes at corner. It's just like that's a that's a really good place, I think, for Donald Kasu. Plus, it gives him a chance. At this stage of Donald Kasu's career, he wants to play for a contender. He's not going to go somewhere to a team that's a bottom dweller or a team that's in the middle of a rebuild. He's going to go to a team that has a, a legitimate chance to win something. And the Vikings, even though I know they missed the playoffs last year, they have all the makings of a team that can turn around, win 12, 13 games again, and be right back in the thick of it. So that's my top three free agents that are still out there. You want to go next, Brian? Sure. Well, I think – I don't know if I necessarily have three. I know two that come off the top of my head. I know one player that probably needs a new team. He's going to have to find a new team. But I think that what can really prove himself – is Eric Berry, who's still a free agent. I mean, the man hasn't been able to have much, you know, playing time because he's had injuries and he's also had that battle with, you know, lymphoma and, and you know, hasn't been able to get on the field too much. But it seems that he's finally healthy and I feel like he could go to a team and, like, contribute right away. And, you know, I, I think that would be something that we should really, you know, look at. I, you know, I, I don't know what team necessarily he would be able to go to. I just think that. He's still one of the better players. He's a really smart player. He's a veteran. He knows what he's doing. I think, you know, any team he signs with, he can really help help them out. I mean, I I don't see why anyone would want to try to give him a one year deal. Just you know, see what he can do. You know? I think he. I think right now his problem because I know Dallas brought him in for a visit, and Dallas wanted to offer him a contract. Is a you said he appears to be healthy. A lot of teams are still concerned about that, especially team doctors, from what I've been hearing. Not not every, not every team doctor has, you know, pretty much giving him a passing grade. And then also I've been hearing that he's, even though he's, he's still looking for a close to top of market value. Like he's still looking for that eight to nine million dollar per year type salary. And That's I just don't, happen. yeah, I don't think it's going to happen. So I think Eric Berry's the kind of guy, kind of like with Des Bryant, I think he'll hold out, you know, he'll wait it out to like the very last few weeks of training camp where a team decides to make an offer that is kind of close to what he might be wanting. But I don't I don't really see Eric Berry signing anywhere soon. I think he's going to take this slow. I think he's going to take his time, which is fine. But I just – I think there's a lot of – there's a, I was thinking about putting Eric Berry on my list, but I just think there's way too many question marks with this guy. And I love yeah. the dude. I wanted him in Dallas, but I didn't want him for that 8 to $9 million range that he's uh, – from what I've re- has been reported. Yeah, I guess you're right. Well, I don't know. Another another play I actually think is a, could be a really good signing. It's just what happened with him is he got injured towards the end of the year. Poor illusion. I um, like him. Uh, the Chargers. The charge, yeah, I like him. Yeah, I mean, he he was a really really good. He was legit. Before tore, yeah, before he tore his quad, he was he was killing. I mean, he's been a very consistent player, very good player for a long time. I feel like he could really help out a teammate. Just got to get a, a. He's gonna have to probably do a one year prove it kind of deal. I mean, it's just. He tore his quad, what, in November or something. That, that takes a little while to heal. That's not going to be easy. But I think once he's healthy, he can really help contribute. He's still a really good player. If he didn't get hurt, he would have already been signed, had a big contract. He's one of the better players in his position at that, you know, in the, in the league. So I, I don't Some team that really you know, needs, has a, runs a good 3-4 defense as a contributor, I think that he could go there and really help, help him out. And the last player, I think, that a really good free agent, well, I would say really good. All these players I'm having are big ifs. 
but I think they could pan out if they stay healthy and they're on the right team. And another one I'm looking at is um, Ziggy Ansa. He, for, you know, when he first got in the league, he was a really good player, but the last two years or so, he's been injured and injured a whole bunch. And I, he still has a lot of that, you know, he could, I think he could have a lot of productivity if he's in the right system. He goes to somewhere like maybe, you know, Philly or, or, or the Panthers to someone who runs a good 4-3 and let him be back his natural position. And he stays healthy. I think he can really help out those teams this later on in the year. But, he, he, you know, if you look at the Panthers, one of the things that you really need to worry about is getting after the quarterback. But Drew Brees and Matt Ryan, you know, playing them twice a year. I think he really needs someone that can help, you know, rest the passer, passer. And I think that he could really do something like that for the Panthers. I think that, you know, maybe that'd be a good fit for him. I or agree. We'll see if he can do something. I agree. Makes sense. I know for, I only have two on mine, but um, for Ziggy Ansa, I definitely had him on my list. And I definitely could see him coming to Atlanta. I know that Atlanta, and I'm a Fal- and everybody knows I'm a Falcons fan. But uh, Ziggy Ansah to Atlanta makes sense for he's a four he can play four three or three four, uh, but he's better off in the four three, and that's in Atlanta. That's what we love to do. We love playing the four three, especially under Dan Quinn. And I just believe that <sighs> Vic Beasley has been such a disappointment to me. Like he had that one good year, but I remember that one game. That's it. That was it. That was it. And then that one game, he had five sacks. So I'm like, really? I can't even let that count that he won that sack title. Was I think it was 16.5 sacks. It was 18.5. It was one of those two numbers. It was 16. Yeah, 16.5. 16. Yeah. And I was like, he won the sack title with 16.5 sacks. But I know he had five sacks in one game. Next season comes up. I'm like, my man, you don't even get five sacks. I'm like, what's, <laughs> I'm like, what's going on? I'm like, I'd rather have... Ziggy Ansa in there, like even if it's just for a rotational guy. I like, I know Dan Quinn likes having speed on the ends, but I, uh, I'd, I'd, I'd rather, I honestly rather take a chance with Ziggy Ansa. I know that he likes to celebrate and tear ACLs and whatnot, but I'd rather take a chance on Ziggy Ansa. Somebody I'd like to see, who I'm kind of high on, who had a very good 2017 year. He didn't have a a, a that well of a year last year. But 14, I think it was 12 or 14 passes broken up for the New York Jets. I'm talking about Morris Claiborne. And I. Oh, Claiborne. Mr. Claiborne. But I think he would honestly be a good fit up in New England. I think that no. would be. That would be. I know. I, I agree with Dennis. I agree with Dennis. I know. He does not, he does not play discipline enough for a Belichick system. He, Belichick will make him discipline. Belichick makes everybody discipline. He makes um, everyone better. The only person, would, the only person I, I ever saw. Like, I don't think he would stay. I don't think he would go to New England. Honestly, I'm just telling you what I think would be a good fit, and I think they would have a very good, a very like with him there. It'd be a better secondary. But I know, I and think. Then, what were you saying? I was also going to say, and also I know the reason I don't think he would fit well with New England is because they run multiple defensive schemes. And he just doesn't pick up well with that kind of system. That was his problem. He, that's, I guess because he got scored a four in the Wonderlick test. I mean, that was his problem in Dallas. Is like at the time, at the time that we drafted Boris Claiborne, our defensive coordinator was uh, Rob Ryan, and Rob Ryan oh, ran sure a lot was. of exotic schemes, ran a lot of exotic coverages because he thought that's what would work. Obviously, it didn't. That's why he's not even in the league anymore. But 
He couldn't. Clay, Clay I think Rob Ryan him. is in the league. With I you. think he got signed by somebody. I think he did. Well, either way, he wasn't in the league for a while. Oh, I know that's he just, right. He just, he, Claiborne's problem was he just could not adapt to a multiple scheme system. So that's why he fit with the Jets. The Jets were a very basic 3-4 defense. They ran 3-4 defense, nothing too crazy. They had some exotic blitzes. But other than that, their scheme and coverages were pretty simple. I don't think he would fit well in New England because New England does run a very exotic scheme system and a very multi-dimensional defense. So, I mean, Claiborne, you're right. He had a great 2017 season, but there's just been too many years where he's just been so subpar, especially after being a top-five pick. I knew it. Guess, just guess where he's coaching. Uh, the Jets. Brian, you want to take a guess? Wait, who? Rob, who? Rob Ryan. Oh, yeah, he's coaching for the Redskins. He sure is. Well, he's, uh, he's, a, he's the linebacker's coach, I think. Yep. Uh, yeah. I'm sorry, Brian. Hey, man. Washington teams, bro. Like, that's, that's, we I, already I discussed this. We already discussed we have, it. Yeah, Bruce yeah. Allen's the GM for so long. You just don't feel emotions anymore. <laughs> you feel nothing. One guy that's else. It. One more guy I would probably throw out there that neither one of us even brought up is Demarius Thomas. No, I'm done with him. I'm done with him. Why, yes. He said, nope. other, than, other than his last two years with Denver, when he was playing with Case Keenum and freaking Paxton Lynch, he was having very productive seasons. I think, you know, even when Tebow was quarterback, he had good seasons. I think you put him with a team that, that was so long ago in his career. Demarius Thomas is 31 years old. He's coming off a torn Achilles injury. I mean, so he was right. he, 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 For some reason, he can't catch anymore. Yeah, and Demarius, I mean, Des Bryant is probably not going to get much you know, looks either. I mean, I'm not he, saying they're going to get a lot of looks, but what I'm saying is they still, he's still a guy I think has something to offer to a, 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 a if, the, if the fit is right. Now, I'm not saying Demarius Thomas is going to go to Baltimore and be a number one receiver and be a threat. No. But what I'm saying is you put Demarius in a, a, a certain situation. Yeah, but the I Jets. Think gets, I think, you no, know, maybe the Jets, a team I thought would be a, a decent fit, honestly, is with the 49ers. They have a good quarterback in Jimmy Garoppolo. They have a scheme with Kyle Shanahan that will really fit for a, system, for a fitted receiver like Demarius Thomas. I think a place like San Francisco could offer him a chance. I don't think he's gonna get back to his Pro Bowl form. No, but I definitely, no. think, I definitely think. I definitely think he fifty catches, maybe nine hundred yards, and six touchdowns. I think that's definitely no. doable. I think you're. I think you're. What did you just? What did you just say? You said how much? <laughs> what did you just say? <laughs> did he just say nine hundred yards off fifty catches? <laughs> Demarius the Thomas. That average is over. That is, oh my goodness! What is the average on that? Somebody do the math. I'm not about to do the math. Hold on. Hold your horse. Somebody do the math. Like that. What, that is, dude? I, that is, I, I'm floored right That's now. over ten yards a catch. All right. So, all right. So, man, I'm not yards. <laughs> dude. Seven fifty. Seven fifty. No, 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 no. I want to know okay. what the I want to know what the figure is on what you just said. Eighteen yards a catch. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, right. You lost your mind. All right, fine. 750. 50 catches. I give him 750, six touchdowns. Guess I'll be impressed if he gets more than 400 yards next year, honestly. I'll be impressed if he gets 50 catches. <laughs> 18 yards a catch, Dennis. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm about to 
Hold on, y'all keep talking. I'm about to pull up the various silence and stats. He right. sounds I'm like, like he I'm sounds right like here, this. Jesse. I'm right here. Hey, right, hey, hey Brian. Hey, Brian. Last year, last year, yeah, 283 yards receiving. Yeah, he was hurt last year, though. Yeah, at the end of the season. Yeah, he still played 10 games. Yeah, before that, he played 11 games at 551 yards. Okay. Before, and, then, and then the next four or five years were really good years. Man, Demarius Thomas. Okay, so, I, he's only, so he's only had two bad years. All, all I'm saying, Jesse, he just came off a torn Achilles, and you just told and you just told me you just told me he's gonna average more yards than Deshaun Jackson. <laughs> all right, that's all right, what fine. you just told me. I was wrong. Like, like, I, I'm I, wrong about the yards. What I like Demarius Thomas too, but he just—he's—he's. He's, uh, I, I like Demarius Thomas. I did. I don't think he's anything worth mentioning now. I can see Demarius. I can see. You don't think Demarius Thomas is worth a roster spot? He could go to Cincinnati, maybe. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, came on Cincinnati or something. I don't know. He can go to Cincinnati. He ain't. No, that's disrespectful. Brian, don't ever disrespect. Don't disrespect that man like that ever again. ATO went to Buffalo. Hey, guys, breaking news in case you didn't hear. My Dallas Stars just clinched a playoff spot, yeah, so I'm, I'm happy. Yeah, I'm getting off the podcast. <laughs> yeah, that's when, that's when you know. That's when you know we got to call it quits. And that's when you know it's time to go. It's time to go. Everybody, thank you for joining us. Thank you for joining us on another episode of Sports Outside the Box. We'll see you next time. Oh.